It doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you are in life. Everyone falls into one category. Here's Pastor Al Pittman. We know who he is. Jesus is what? Lord. His name is above what? Every name. And James says, then who are you? Amen. You know who we are? I don't care what your title is. I don't care what you got in 401k. I don't care who you think you are. Let me tell you, in Christ, the ground at the foot of the cross is flat. And we all stand in the same place. You know what we are? We're sinners saved by grace. Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. You are my dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. Many Americans pride themselves on their independence. They want to do their own thing and be their own king, have their own way, day, and say. But the Christian is to live quite differently. Our lives must be totally dependent upon God. Well, today as we study James on the dwelling place, that arrogance and pride are major roadblocks to a close relationship with God. Who really knows what's best for us? Most of us, of course, think we do. However, James, in a very bold and uncompromising way, shows us in chapter 4 of his epistle that reliance on God is the only way to go. Here's Pastor Al Pittman. Arrogance, by definition, is defined this way, an attitude of superiority manifested in an overbearing manner or in presumptuous claims or assumptions. It is human nature to, you know, walk in arrogance. Another word for arrogance could be pride. I think this message is an important message for us in the church today because it really goes to the core of arrogance, which is the exclusion rather than the inclusion of God in our lives. And even sometimes we as Christians are tempted with arrogance, spiritual arrogance, uh, wanting to exclude God from our lives rather than include the Lord. I love what Paul Tripp said in a book uh, uh, our counseling ministry uh, takes people through, and uh, it's entitled Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand. And Paul Tripp said this. He said, and I quote, We were never created to be our own source of wisdom. We were designed to be revelation receivers, dependent on the truths God would teach us and apply those truths to our lives, close quote. God never meant for us, in other words, to do this alone, but to be utterly dependent upon him. But arrogance defies that very notion, that very truth. And so in our text Uh, James addresses what I call the entourage of arrogance because there are three areas in which arrogance defies the Lord's wisdom. And we're going to look at those three areas today, and I pray that God would bless you as we go through the text, and uh, we would not just go through it, but that God's word would go through you as well. Amen? So first we began here in verse 11 with the first uh, area that arrogance ignores, and that is in relationship to the judgment of God, God's judgment. As we read here in verses 11 and 12. Now, let me just say, the judgment here is not, you know, judgment of the world or whatever, but judgment of one another. Again, the context is James is writing to the church. And people in the church were judging each other and and all of this. And so, he addresses this judgment here uh, that it is really in defiance of God's judgment. As he says in verse 11, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law. But now you've made yourself a judge. 
There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. And then he says, who are you to judge another? The Greek word for the phrase speak evil can also be translated slander. People in the church in the day of James time and even today in the church slandering one another. It's an attitude that's completely the opposite of what we saw last week of verse 10, where James says, humble yourself under the hand of God and God will lift you up. You show me a person that is slandering someone, I'll show you a person who's not walking in humility. If we're going to humble ourselves and walk in humility before God, we're not going to slander our brother or sister in Christ. He says to judge another is to judge the law. To judge another is to judge the law. What does that mean? It means that you have exalted your opinion above the judgment of God. In Acts chapter 10, Peter had to learn a lesson about that. You remember the story where Peter was on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner? He was hungry, amen, and he saw this vision. Now, I know sometimes we get hungry, you feel like we see visions too, amen. But this vision was from God, and it was a vision of that, that blanket. Many of you know the story. And on the blanket were all types of what is called uncultured animals, animals that the Jews did not eat, like pigs and shellfish. And, and the, but the voice of the Lord in this blank, vision of this blanket coming down from heaven told Peter, commanded him, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord. Now, there's a whole problem with that. That's a whole other sermon. He's the Lord, but we say, not so, Lord. He should have said, yes, Lord. And how many times we say, not so, and then yet call him Lord. The, the blanket came down the second time. The vision came down the second time. And the Lord said, rise, kill, and eat. And, and he said, not so, Lord. And then the third time. And then God finally brought him to school and said, listen, Peter, don't you dare call that which I have cleansed unclean. Because Peter was on his way to Cornelius' house. He would soon go to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius was a Gentile, wasn't even a Jew, that would come to faith in Christ. And the Lord was teaching him a valuable lesson of what I've cleaned, what I've cleansed. Don't you dare call it unclean. And for me as a believer to slander my fellow brother or sister in Christ is to raise my opinion above the opinion of God who has declared my fellow brother and sister in Christ clean. And for me to slander them is to call them unclean. And now I've exalted my judgment of you above the judgment of God. And James says, who are you? Now, we know who Jesus is, amen. There's only one lawgiver. It is God, he says here in verse 12. And we know who Jesus is. You know, in the, in the United States government, there are three branches to our government. And there is, many of you know this, the executive branch, which is the president. There is the legislative branch, which is the Senate and the House of Representatives. And then there's the, ju the judicial branch, which is the Supreme Court and the lower courts. In the kingdom of God, you could say there are also three branches of government. And the government, by, by the way, it rests upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is his kingdom. It is his government. Those three branches of government where, indeed, Jesus Christ is the only executive. Amen. He's the only legislature because his word stands, amen, and is supreme. And he is the only judicial or the only judge. He is the supreme court. Amen. And he declared on the cross that it is finished, amen. And for me to judge my brother or sister in Christ is to say it's not finished and to call them unclean is to raise my judgment above the judgment or the word of God. 
You see where James is coming from here. Then he says, then who are you? Who do you, you know, who do you think you are? And like my mother would say, you got another thing coming. (laughs) We know who Jesus is. Philippians chapter two says, therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name, which is above every name that is above my name, above your name, but my opinion above your opinion. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We know who he is. Jesus is what? Lord. His name is above what? Every name. And James says, then who are you? Amen. You know who we are? I don't care what your title is. I don't care what you got in 401k. I don't care who you think you are. Let me tell you, in Christ, the ground at the foot of the cross is flat. And we all stand in the same place. You know what we are? We are sinners saved by grace. Therefore, we cannot look down our nose at anybody who walks through these doors. As if somehow we have arrived or we're somehow better than they are. We're simply sinners saved by the grace of God. That's all we are. The less we speak evil and judge one another, the more time we have to love one another so that the world might believe that God sent his son. Jesus said, Father, make them one, that the world might believe that you sent the son. When the world sees black and white and Latino and Asian and all coming together and worshiping the one true God, then the world sits up and takes notice and says, I believe something happened here. Amen. That's the word of God. Then the world will believe. Amen. But when we're backbiting, devouring one another, slandering one another, exalting our opinions above that of Christ, we're sinning against one another. and We're sinning against God. Arrogance places itself far above the redemptive power or the judgment of Christ. And James addresses that arrogance here. The second area of arrogance where arrogance ignores is arrogance ignores God's sovereignty. Look at verses 13 to 17. He says, come now, you who say tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Amen. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while, a little time, and then vanishes away. Indeed, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Wow. Arrogance ignores God's sovereignty. Pastor Al will be back in a moment with the conclusion of today's message in James chapter 4. On behalf of Pastor Al, I would like to ask you to consider becoming a financial partner with us. Your consistent financial support enables us to keep this radio ministry moving forward. To make a one-time donation or to become a monthly supporter, just go to cwccs.org or text the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. 
And on behalf of Pastor Al, thanks for your support, both through donation and through prayer. Now with the conclusion of today's message, titled, Entourage of Arrogance, here's our teacher, Pastor Al Pittman. Now, James is not saying here that we should never plan anything. We just kind of sit around, just let things happen, let whatever happens, happens, you know. We should plan things. In fact, I believe believers ought to be the biggest dreamers on the planet because we serve a God who can do anything. And why not dream big? And I think many times we're guilty of dreaming way too small. I like what Les Brown said. He's a motivational speaker and an author. And he said this once. He said, it is better to aim high and miss than to aim low and hit. Hit it, amen? Close quote. So true. So many times we aim so low, you know, <laughs> that we hit it and we think, oh, that's, that's the norm when God wants us, you know, to aim a lot higher. Well, if I can just get to church on Sunday, that's my goal. <laughs> you know, and that's wonderful. It's great that we come to church, but maybe God wants to do something else that week. Maybe he wants you, Lord, help, use me to witness to somebody. Use me to touch another life, to make a difference. Rather than just trying to, you know, get to church and check the box. Sometimes our aim is just so low. God wants us to aim so much higher in our lives. You know, one of my fears is, and it's, a, it's an unfounded fear. But I think, man, I don't want to get to heaven. And I think, oh, Lord, thank you. You know, you did a great work at Calvary Worship Center. And, and uh, Lord, we started on the East Campus. And, and, man, it was really cool and all that. And God said, yeah, that's great, Al. But this is what you could have done if you really believed. If you'd aimed really high, you could have had 12 campuses in town or whatever. Sometimes we just aim too low. What can God do through a life that is completely and totally surrendered to him? Wow. It'll blow your mind. Now, there's nothing wrong in planning and, and doing all these things. Here's the problem. The problem is that in our arrogance, we exclude God from our plans and declare ourselves sort of, you know, like uh, of being the, the captain, if you will, of our own destiny. I'm in charge here. I'm the captain of my own ship. Well, your ship is sinking. Amen. And yet, well, I'm the captain of my own destiny and all of that, and to the exclusion of God. You know, we think people like Warren Buffett and all these people, oh, man, if I just learn the secrets that Warren Buffett has, and, and oh, I can, I can earn millions of dollars and, and be a billionaire or whatever. But the Bible differs, begs to with, differ with us and with that attitude. In fact, the Bible tells us that exaltation comes from the Lord, not from the east or west. Warren Buffett has the money he has because God has allowed him to have it. Amen. The Bible tells us in Psalm 75, it says, it says for exaltation does, uh, comes neither rather from the east nor the west, nor from the south, but God is the judge, and he puts down one and he exalts the other. Amen. Have you watched the stock market lately? Amen. A few weeks ago, we were, woo, and now it's kind of, ooh, you know. But that's the stock market. But it, God raises up one. He brings down another. It's in his hands. He is sovereign over it all. And yet somehow we think we as human beings have complete control over these things. Now, it's true that wrong decisions can shape your destiny. Good decisions can shape your destiny as well. But here's the, here's the good news. God is greater than the sum total of all my poor decisions. Amen. 
That's good news. God is greater than the sum total of all my poor decisions. He's greater than the steps that I take, and even the missteps that I've taken, God is greater. And the reason I say that is because of Romans 8, 28. For all things work together for good to those who love God who are called according to his purpose. You don't have to beat yourself up for the missteps that you took in your past or whatever. God is in control, and God is sovereign even over my missteps, amen, and my mistakes. Aren't you glad about that this morning? I know I am. Thank, thank the Lord. His sovereignty, therefore, is our confidence. Not my planning, not the expertise of other people, but his sovereignty. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Wow. Nothing wrong in making your plans. I mean, do like Habakkuk, as it says in the book of Habakkuk. Write the vision down. Make it plain so those who read it can run with it. Make your plans and bring them before God and say, God, here's my plan. So, Lord, I want you to be sovereign of my plan as I move forward. Amen. Don't just fold your arms and sit on the couch and expect the plans to ring your doorbell. Amen. You've got to go out and pursue things. You've got to go out and be aggressive on things. But if God is sovereign over my plans, when there's a hiccup and there's a change of plans, I I don't panic because I still know he's in control. See, that's what it means. He's he's in control over all my plans. Amen. This is what we do. We make our plans, and then there's a change of plans. And we go, oh, God, where are you? God says, I'm, I'm right here. Sovereign and in control. Are we going to trust in his plans, in his victory, or are we going to trust in vapors? You and I are merely vapors. As you're sitting here right now, your cells are dying. Amen. Well, I didn't come to church to hear that, but it's the truth. <laughs> We're dying while we're sitting here. We're getting older. And we're fading. And 100 years from now, whatever you're worried about right now won't even matter. Because none of us will be here. Amen? And so James says, why are you stressing, man? Your life is but a vapor. Am I going to trust in the the opinion of vapors on on the news channels? Am I going to trust in the opinions of vapors and politics? No, I'm going to trust in his victory. Amen? For heaven and earth will pass away, but his word, amen, will remain forever. Amen? Isaiah 55 verse 9 reminds us that God's ways are higher than our ways. He is sovereign. He doesn't do things the way you think they ought to be done. It blows our minds. It makes us angry sometimes, but his ways are higher than our ways. And then Paul says this in Romans chapter 11. He says, oh, the depth of the riches of the, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways are past finding out. <laughs> if you think you're going to figure God's ways out, <laughs> good luck. We can't for his ways are past finding out. And yet, what do we do? We spend a lot of our time trying to find out, figure out his ways. They're past finding out. Here's my part in the will of God is to believe God, is to trust God. God, you are sovereign. In other words, God's got me. Regardless of what happens in my life and, and the thing that I didn't plan that happened or whatever, Lord, you're sovereign over it all. My job is to trust him, not to try to figure out his ways but to trust him. That's the life of faith. And we can trust in the Lord 
or we can trust in vapors. We can trust in the Lord, and we can live a life of wisdom, a life of knowledge, and a life of joy, or we can merely be garbage collectors, trash collectors. What do you mean by that? Well, Ecclesiastes, Solomon said in verse 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 26, he says, for God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight, but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting. Without the Lord, all we are are trash collectors. My wife and I have been married 42 years, and I can't get two cars in the garage because of all the garbage that we've collected, amen? I call it garbage because it's like, man, I want to just pull it all out into the driveway, put kerosene on it, and just throw a match on it, boom. Why are we carrying around all this junk accumulated from 42 years? Amen. Can anybody else feel me? And we have all this stuff and think, apart from the Lord, that's all we got is all this stuff we've collected. Hey, I got a new car. Oh, you're collecting more garbage because you're going to have to leave it behind. You're just gathering and you're collecting for what purpose? <laughs> he says that they may give to him who is good before God. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. Gathering stuff, grasping for the wind. It's okay to enjoy things, but if things and gathering stuff is your goal in life because you're too arrogant and you don't want to trust in God, it's just me and I'm doing it my way. Look how important I am. Look how much junk I have in my garage. Ooh, you're real important. Then you're grasping for the wind. Anybody catch the wind lately? <laughs> you can't. It's all passing away. Trusting in the sovereignty of God is resting in his wisdom. Resting in God's knowledge, resting in his everlasting joy. Faith includes God, not as a passenger on my journey. I know people like to use that terminology, my journey. <laughs> it's his journey. For your life is not your own. You've been bought at a price. It belongs to him. You're actually on his journey. This has been The Dwelling Place. Featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Al Pittman, Senior Pastor at Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. If you enjoy Pastor Al's teaching ministry, we have some good news for you. You can listen, watch, or download an archive of past messages and our current series in the Book of Acts with a simple mouse click at cwccs.org. Just click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And while you're checking out our website, be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al with you wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at oneplace.com. And I would also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy The Dwelling Place on this station. You can also share a prayer request with us. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Have you considered becoming a financial supporter of The Dwelling Place? We count on your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. You can support this program with a one-time gift or become a monthly supporter. If you'd like to join our support team, you can do so at our website, cwccs.org, or by texting the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. 
If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home, or you'll be visiting the area in the future, we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. You'll find directions and service times for both locations at cwccs.org. Have a wonderful day in the Lord, and join us next time for another study in the book of Acts. The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman is presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado.